Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's Evangelist Jonathan. Then the Bible says in Mark chapter 9, you can be seated. Mark the ninth chapter. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, singers. Give them a great hand clap for a five-star job. I was asking the Lord about the lack of results when praying for people. Say this out loud. Prayer Prayer should get results. results. There's a lot of people that teach one facet of prayer and not others. They'll say stuff like prayer prayer isn't supposed to change things. Prayer is supposed to change you. But that's not true. Prayer is supposed to change things. Jesus didn't say when you speak to the mountain, you'll change. He said it will move. And then prayer is supposed to change you as well. So you don't pick one. It's like when people say, well, I'd rather have the fruit of the Spirit than the gifts of the Spirit. Well, I'd rather have both. There's nowhere in the Bible that says this is multiple choice. Say this out loud. I can have the whole thing. I'm not choosing between blessing and healing. I don't want to be rich in a deathbed. And I don't want to be healthy in the welfare line. I want to have the whole blessing of God. I actually want to find out everything that God said I can have in here and have it. And uh, when I started preaching and was praying for people, and people, people need help. People have always needed help since Adam sinned. And they come and look for you for help. And I'd preach faith. And then people would, would say, can you pray for me? I believe God's going to get me better. And then I'd pray and not much would happen. So I went on a fast about it. And on that fast, the Lord led me to Mark chapter 9. The Bible says in Mark chapter 9, verse 14. When they, being Jesus and the disciples that he took with them on the mountain of transfiguration, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. I'm getting some ringing in there, Nick. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What's all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they could not do it. Not not I asked them and they wouldn't do it. I asked them, they tried, and they were unable to do it. Jesus said to them, well, sometimes we have to accept that God has other plans. No, that's not what he said. You faithless people. How, and, and that, and I know everybody chuckled when I said it, but that's what people do. What if, I'm glad I have the, the, the dad I, I do in the ministry because when I talk to him about that, well, how come I'm praying for people and I'm not seeing results? Well, we have, to, we have to accept some that sometimes God has other plans. People ascertain the will of God based on what, what happens and doesn't happen. And so they build their life and their beliefs on whether they were able to have success or in an area where they weren't able to have success, then they change how they believe. But your belief has to always be shaped by the Word of God. Sola Scriptura is what our Reformed friends say, and they're right, on the Bible alone. So what happened, first of all, what happened anytime someone came seeking healing from Jesus? Was there ever a time where Jesus said, it's not my will for you to be healed? No. Was there ever a time where Jesus said, come back later? 
I'm not healing you this time, but I'm going to come back to Capernaum in about a year and a half, and then that'll be your time. No. Anybody that came to him, even people that he wasn't supposed to heal, a Samaritan woman, a Syrophoenician woman came. Matthew chapter 15. Jesus was only sent to the Jewish people. Until the Jewish people rejected him, there was no, there wasn't to be ministry to the Gentiles. And she came and said, my daughter is, uh, is ravaged by a demon spirit, tormented. Will you help? And he answered her not a word. She kept pressing him. And he said, is it right to take the bread that's for the children and throw it to unclean dogs, Gentiles? Now, Americans have a problem. What did he mean by that? That's what he meant. Yeah, Jesus didn't go through an HR course on how to talk to people. He, it's the Middle East, so it still actually goes on today. So, yeah, no, it, it, it's not right to take what's meant for God's chosen people and throw it to people that are on the outside, which is where we all would have been without God's redemptive plan. Christ was sent to redeem the people of Israel and Judah, and we were on the outside. And so, but she didn't get offended. She said, yea, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus said, good answer. And because you've answered so well, I've healed your daughter. And, and, and the devil came out right then. Think of that. The bread belongs to the children, but even a crumb from that bread was enough to heal the girl. So God is a healer. His name is healing. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Tonight, night 19, this is not our last prayer and fasting service because it's a 21-day fast, not a 19-day fast, but it is our last weekday service. And so this is a special service. Stand to your feet if you're from a state other than Pennsylvania and you're here. Now, now, only sit down if you're from a different state, but you're still from an East Coast time zone state. So then, so then these are all, uh, some people seem like they're unsure that there's time zones. So these are, time? It's not the same time everywhere? <laughs> Flat earthers. When the sun sets, it sets. Uh, so then this is central and west coast time zone. Now, sit down if you're, sit down unless you're in the Pacific or mountain time, which would be Colorado or, or, or further west, Hawaii or whatever. So you see, you have people that have come from the west coast and the islands, and uh, tonight is a night where we're going to let it rip. Yeah. Signs and wonders and God touching people. Give all our friends from the west coast and the mountains a big hand clap, Hawaii. No, you never form your theology based on a tragedy or based on what you could or couldn't have happened. You base it on the Bible. So I'm glad when I started praying for people and wasn't seeing much happening. I go, well, guess that doesn't happen today. No, Jesus threw it back on them. You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground writhing and foaming at the mouth. On this subject, um, there's a young man who I met for the first time this week that I have a ton of respect for because he's unusual. He's, uh, he moved to the Pittsburgh area from the UK, and then somebody he knew was inviting him to church and, and posting stuff from our church online, and he said, I was very concerned about what I saw because he's from a Presbyterian Reformed background. Now, if you don't know the difference between de denominations, you should count your blessings. <laughs> but there's churches that believe and teach that the Holy Spirit and His work 
like you see in the book of Acts, you can't do that today because that, that stopped with the last apostle. But that's not in the Bible. People, people added that. And people basically added that to explain why they couldn't have what they had in the Bible. I mean, you read the Bible, it's very different from how church is now. Now, like I'll give you an example. Ananias and Sapphira, Ananias comes in. They, the, the church was going through this move where they were selling land and houses and bringing the full amount to lay at the apostles' feet. And Peter comes up to Ananias and says, is this the full amount of the money you got for the land sale? Yes, it is. Why have you conspired? Why have you done such an evil thing? For you've not lied to me. You've lied to the Holy Ghost. And at this point, he fell over backwards dead. And the ushers carried him out. Three hours later, his wife came. So before you go any further, three hours later, they're in the same church service. Don't worry. I'm not priming you to get ready for a five-hour service. But they weren't having an 80-minute service. Like the stuff you're taught, if you're me and you're a pastor, they teach you, well, if you're going to have church, you know, people don't have attention spans longer than 80 minutes. Oh, is that why everyone leaves after the first quarter of a Steelers game? (laughs) Stadium's completely empty. People have attention spans. They've just been, I don't know what's wrong with people. Church people I'm talking about. In church leadership, they, they, it's, it, it's all messed up. So three hours later, they're at the same service. The wife, no one texted her and let her know knew what happened to her husband. So she shows up, and Peter asks her the same thing. Is this the full amount of the money that you got for the land? Because they sold the land, brought part, claiming it was the full amount, and held some back. And she said yes. And he said, why have you and your husband conspired to do such an evil thing? The same men who carried your husband out are coming to carry you out, and she died. You can see that story doesn't get a lot of amens or applause. (laughs) But that's the record of the early church. You don't see that much uh, stuff like that with signs and wonders, and signs and wonders can go both ways. There's constructive signs and wonders to help believers, and then there's things God does to put a fear of God in people that go to move against the church. We're not supposed to have to solve our problems with lawsuits against officials if you if you read the bible god was moving against those that were moving against the church can you say amen Amen. so you read this stuff and then when you read it and it seems so different you're forced as a minister to make a decision am i just going to go well here's the easy thing well that stuff can't happen today you know I, i something must have happened because that that's not how it works today i mean we just don't see that stuff why don't we see it i don't know god just moves differently now So people rather, that's not in the Bible. Again, everything you believe, especially if you're a minister, no minister is called to to parrot their own ideas or thoughts. Ministers are called to minister the Word of God. And I'll tell you one thing, as somebody that's in the ministry, the Bible, and I have a four-year degree in, in, in Bible studies, it's not hard to read or understand. It only gets hard if you want to try to concoct ways to end around what it clearly says. Homosexuality is an abomination to God is not difficult to interpret. In the original Greek, it means homosexuality is an abomination to God. That's why they translate it that way in English. But then if you want it to fit America, then you have to jump through a bunch of mental gymnastics. So what, I, what I've made up my mind, and I'm not the only one, I'm, I'm one of tens of thousands worldwide, is that in America, we're not going to have the Bible fit American culture We're going to use the power of God's Word to change America into the image of God and Americans that are hungry for God. We're not going to tell you this stuff's not available for today. We're going to tell you all who are hungry, all who are thirsty, come and drink. Blessed are those that are hungry and thirsty, for they will be filled. Can you say amen? I am the Lord God, and I change not. 
Old Testament, book of Exodus. Hebrews 13, 8, the New Testament equivalent. Jesus Christ, the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. You don't read it, Paul, right? Now listen, just so you know, I know a lot of crazy stuff's been happening in the early church. I'm getting old, and I'm going to be martyred soon, and when I do, it's over. So, you know, if you want healed, you better get prayed for quick, because in about another year and a half, there's no more healing. You don't read that in the Bible. You actually read the opposite, where he's telling Timothy to take the gift that he gave him by the laying all of hands, stir, fan it into flames, and carry it to the next generation. You know, when, when people make the argument that this stuff was an operation to, find, to found the early church, that God had special signs, which is what those churches teach, that God did a special dispensation of signs and wonders to help people who... Um, to show that the church, to establish the church. Then once it was established, that went away because now the church was established. Well, anybody understands with, with a, you know, a medium IQ that the church essentially has to be reestablished. Not essentially, I don't know why I threw that in. The church has to be established in every generation. Most of us, especially in Pittsburgh, you have parents or grandparents, I do, that went to meetings here with Catherine Kuhlman Saw people get healed out of wheelchairs. Not full gospel people. Cath Pittsburgh, I've had an easy time past pastoring because that wall between Presbyterians and Catholics and nominal people and Catholics and full gospel people, that got ripped down in, in the late 60s in Pittsburgh. There was a move of the Holy Ghost that went through Pittsburgh where you had Catherine Kuhlman holding healing revivals in Presbyterian churches with Catholic nuns and Catholic priests in attendance. Can anybody back me up on that in here? Yeah. So that move went through. My mom was in, in that move. R.W. Schambach coming through. Kenneth Hagin coming through. Where they not just were in church, but they saw the demonstration of the power of God. Keep, keep, keep a ribbon in Mark chapter 9. I want to show you something. Go to, go to Romans chapter 15. Romans the 15th chapter. Romans 15, verse 16. The Apostle Paul said, I'm a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I brought you the gospel so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything. Now, now, don't miss that part. I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. The Bible teaches you that when you serve God, it doesn't become this personal relationship only where you sit at your dining room table and read the Bible and Instagram a picture of yourself having coffee and reading the Bible. That yes, you get full of God's word. You have, a, you have a personal relationship with God. But then the God that moves in you then looks to move through you to touch other people. Can you say amen? amen. That's not for special people. The Bible says in Mark 16, 15 to 20, Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe will be damned. And these signs, five of them, all supernatural, these signs will follow everyone who believes. 
How hard is it to, to, to understand everyone who believes? What does that mean? It means everyone who believes. Everyone that's a believer. Now, not, yes, I, claim, I go to church, I attend. No, you have active faith, active belief that Jesus was raised from the dead, in so doing conquered hell, conquered Satan, conquered the demon power. And he's alive. He didn't die again. And he holds the keys in his hand of death, hell, and the grave. And has been given a name that's above every name. That at the mention of the name of Jesus, everything that's named above the earth, everything on the earth, and everything under the earth has to bow at the mention of that name. Where did I see you before? Nice to have you. I was just wondering, and I get distracted easy. Glad to have you up from the south. These signs will follow how many people that believe? Oh, yeah, active belief, like real faith. Not No, I'm a, I'm a believer. No, like you, you hold that. That if I pray in the name of Jesus, it's impossible for nothing to happen. because I Not because I, I think I'm a great person, but because I've read Philippians 2, 5 to 11. That that name Jesus, because he was obedient unto death, he's been given, he was bestowed a name that's above every name. That good Lord, it, you, you can say curse words on TV, no one can, but if, still, with all freedom of speech and freedom of expression, if you say Jesus on ESPN, if you say it on The View, people start slithering around like snakes Looks like a deliverance service in 19th century Madras, India. They had a guy on one time, and he started talking about Jesus on The View. Two women immediately. Can't even stay in the same room. I mean, we could pull videos up. There's one actually from, from an old abortion clinic in Pittsburgh that's since been closed down. Where there's people, I'm not, not people like me, just like regular. I think they were just Catholic, holding signs and quietly saying, Things about Jesus. Somebody comes up from the abortion clinic, starts yelling at him. Why? 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 Why do people get stirred up? They don't care if you talk about God. They don't care if you talk about a higher power. But when you say the name of Jesus, that name, because he humbled himself and died a criminal's death on the cross, God has raised him to new heights in heaven and has given him a name that is above every name, above every name. That at the mention of the name of Jesus, everything under the earth, everything on the earth, everything above the earth has to bow at the mention of that name. If you know that name, shout it out. Again, when people teach, when people teach that this power died out, then what do you say about the name of Jesus? How do you, how do you make a theological argument that the power of the name of Jesus has died out. Like, let's say I grant someone, and by the way, this, this young man that I brought up, we had an, the conversation ended with him saying, I'm going to begin coming to your church. And I said, don't just come to my church. I said, you heard me preach on Sunday about soul winning. I said, if you're going to come, you've already been well discipled. I can tell you, you've had two good parents that raised you in the faith. Help me win people to Christ in Pittsburgh. He said, oh, well, I'm going to plug into young adults, and I'm going to, I'm going to join Revival Today executives because I'm starting a business. He's 18, 18 or 19 years old. I'm not looking to get a big crowd to hear me speak. 
I'm looking for an army of believers, and that's what I have. We have people fasting and praying to see God shake America. The devil will not write the last chapter of American history. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ will write that final chapter, and I'm a part of that church, and you're a part of that church. Somebody shout hallelujah. So let, let, but let's say you granted someone. Well, I don't believe that the power of the Holy Spirit operates like that anymore. Okay. Okay, let's say I grant you that belief. Then what do you have to say about the name of Jesus? Because the Bible says in Acts chapter 3 that Peter was on the way to his daily, the daily 3 o'clock prayer service and noticed a man that had been crippled in his feet from birth. Crippled in his feet from birth. Legs, legs atrophied. Little skinny undeveloped legs, crippled in his feet from birth and had never walked. I mean, a life has crippled some of us emotionally. No, crippled legs. Basically, people start changing the Bible up to like strip the miracles out. You know, we get crippled by bad thoughts sometimes. No, yeah, it's true, but this, these are crippled legs. And Peter looked at him, and the man gazed at him, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have. Now think of that. With no faith conferences and, and, and no, very little teaching, but just having been baptized in the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, the, G, the same Peter that denied Jesus before girls at a campfire was now conscious that he had something on the inside of him, A, and B, he had something on the inside of him that he could give to others. Such as I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And then Peter grabbed him by the hand, Acts chapter 3, hoisted him to his feet, and the man began walking, then leaping, then praising God. And all the people saw him, and then a crowd forms, and then a mob forms, and they, they, they call Peter, because that's how it's been since day one. Because this power troubles the evil powers that be. You couldn't have everything there was during the lockdown and rioting and burning cities to the ground. That necessitated churches being closed. That's why before any of that happened, the order went out that churches have to be closed. And they complied. And within 90 days, America looked like a third world country. Because the church carries power to drive darkness out. But if the light's kept under a bushel, it doesn't help anyone. But we're not putting the light under the bushel. We're putting the light on top of a hill and driving the devil's sorry rear end clear out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you're with me, can you shout yes? yes. Praise God. We order you to preach and teach no more in the name of Jesus. Peter said, sir, do you think that we... Would rather please you than please God? Let us plainly state we would rather please God than man. And then before that, when the crowd formed and they were all gathered around seeing that crippled man walking, what did Peter say? Why look at us as though we made this man well by our own godliness? Faith in the name of Jesus has made this man whole, and all of you know how crippled he was. Second sentence. Yes, let me state again. That faith in the name of Jesus has made this man to walk right before your eyes. Say with me, the name of Jesus. 
well, I don't believe the, 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 in the Holy Spirit. Okay, take the Holy Spirit out of the equation. Peter's taught that the name of Jesus carries power over all sickness and all disease. Faith in the name of Jesus. And it still carries. So I, I don't even know. I don't know what argument you would make. I feel bad for people. I don't even, doesn't even make me upset. Because, yeah, if you went to church for 18 years and you never saw anything that resembled a miracle, then you would, you would just start to come up, well, I guess God doesn't do that anymore. But then what happens is, if you get around the right people in the right places, you will see God do astounding things. I was in a service when I was 19 in Rhode Island training for the ministry. The guy that was preaching that night, right in the middle of his message, went over, grabbed an offering plate, one of those like goldish looking offering plates with the red uh, burgundy felt bottom, and he said, everybody that's deaf or hard of hearing, come up here right now. 31 people came up. Then 31 turned to 32 because I had been playing drums. And like you do when you're a teenager sometimes and you just don't think, I just would play with no ear protection. I'd, I'd, pl I'd put it in if I remembered it and then one in if I didn't. And I'm playing in, you know, in a little room. And I started to notice that the side that my snare drum was on, my left side, I wasn't deaf. But the hearing in that ear was not the same as my right ear. And I thought, you know, I didn't consider, I was 19. I didn't consider myself deaf. But when he said deaf or hard of hearing, I thought, well, yeah, I, I, I guess I could use that. So I came up too. And I want, he said first, this is what he took the offering plate and did. He didn't take an offering to then pray. He said, everybody that has a hearing aid in one or both ears, take them out and put them in the plate. So he made everybody do like a step, step of faith before they did it. So everybody takes them out in Rhode Island, puts them in. I didn't have one in. And then he, 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 puts the plate on the altar. And he said, now lift your hands. And he went down the line, took about 40 minutes, asked the person how they, if they were born deaf, if they went deaf in the military. Some, I still remember. There were guys, because it made an impact on me. There were guys that worked in industrial plants that lost hearing. There were old servicemen that lost hearing on their rifle ear. There were guys that worked uh, out by airplanes that lost hearing on down the line. And he goes down and interviews everybody, and then he prays for them one by one. Sticks their fingers in their ear, which I've never seen it up until that point. I never saw that in my life. Anybody prayed, Lord, just be with these people who are deaf, and just let them know that you are the lover of the deaf. <laughs> but then you read it. He didn't make that up. Jesus put his fingers in, in, the, in the boy's ears. Jesus spit, spit on uh, his his fingers and put them on the mute man's tongue and he began to speak that would clear out 90 percent of churches in pittsburgh <laughs> during covid it would have you'd be doing 25 to life my son has a speech impediment open up your mouth call the police so what i'm telling you is you start reading now i grew up in church you start reading that the way things went in the bible is different than how religion has settled into. So what are you going to say? Well, that just doesn't happen anymore. Well, says who? What, what, what verse is that? That that doesn't happen anymore? What if we've just excused a lack of power? And then when there's a lack of power, it's not like just people don't get healed. Now you start having an unclean spirit move into the church. Where now you're starting to have whole denominations. Where you marry, you marry two men in church, you marry two women, we accept transgender ideology, drag queen story hour at the altar. 
The, de the devil, if, if the church doesn't have power, the devil move in and clean the whole thing out. But if the church returns to that power, the church has capacity to drive the devil straight back out of any nation. If you believe it, can you say amen? amen. So what do you do? This is what led me to fasting and prayer. I thought, well, if this stuff didn't die out, and it doesn't say it did, and then I'm in a service like that, and he, that guy goes down the row, and one person getting healed after another, and then when he prayed for me, I felt that ear went from being my bad ear to my good ear. I could hear better out of that one than I could out of the other one. I only had him pray for, I should have had him pray for both of them. And we've had that happen. I remember we had a lady that was legally blind in her one eye and had 20-40 vision in her other eye, so that was her good eye. And then when the 20-20, when the blind eye got healed, she still had to wear glasses with a clear glass on the bad eye and then slightly corrective for 20-40, where the, bad eye be, the good eye became the bad eye. Can you say amen? amen? When he prayed for me, I could hear sounds. Like I remember I could hear the hi-hat on the drum set, like the high-end sound that I couldn't hear before. And then I remember thinking when I was standing there, this is why old people complain about how loud the noise is. Because I'd hear when I'd grown up in church, they'd be like, older, it's too loud. I'd think, hey, what's wrong with you? And then I thought, oh, yeah, it is too loud. And I could hear it. And when I saw that, I thought, so now what are you going to say? Because if you confront people with that, then what are they going to say? Well, the, all you can say is they do that under demonic power. And that's what I talked to that young man about. I said, so... You can't deny that there's no supernatural activity. So what are you going to say? You're going to say it's all from the devil? I said, well, you were there on Sunday. I said, that's very odd that the, de the devil would have us do that stuff. One of the guys that came to the altar that day, this last Sunday, that, he's been out of prison three or four days. Came to church, came up to the altar and got saved. Doesn't want to go back to jail, wants to live for the Lord. What demon's doing that? That's the same accusations they leveled against Jesus. Well, he's doing this because he's actually the devil. Jesus said if Satan's casting out Satan, then his kingdom's divided, and any kingdom divided against itself can't stand. Demon power. You ever seen somebody fall out under the power and speak in tongues at a club? No. You ever seen somebody go to a bar and had too much to drink, and they lifted their hands and started prophesying? No. This is not an unclean spirit. This is the Holy Ghost. So you have the power of the name of Jesus... And then you have, everybody say faith. faith. Daughter, be encouraged. The Holy Ghost has made you well. No. Daughter, be encouraged. Your, your faith has made you well. So according to Jesus, faith by itself carries the capacity to make a woman who has an internal hemorrhage well. Has faith, uh, we, we, don't, we believe the Holy Spirit has ceased his operation. Do you believe faith has ceased its operation? Because if it has, we're all going to hell. Because you're saved by grace through faith. So even, you have a hard time making an argument against signs and wonders in the miraculous. Because even if you conceded that the Holy Spirit doesn't have an operation, which he does, but even if you conceded that, what about the name of Jesus? And this, this, this young guy, which I told you I respect him because how come he, he disagreed with what I preached, right, up until he came to see me live? How come he didn't just post on Facebook? There's a false prophet in Pittsburgh. You never, no, he's unique. Then, then he comes to see me after church on Sunday. Can we meet sometime this week? I just have some questions. You don't want to argue. He had questions. You'd have questions too. 18 years being told this stuff doesn't exist, then you see it. You know what threw him for a loop? 
He thought, well, if you're a prosperity guy, you teach everybody to get nice cars and homes, and then you don't care about, you don't tell them about heaven and hell and sin. But then he comes Sunday, what's the whole message on? Evangelism, hell, heaven. He said, you actually preach that stuff stronger than the churches I grew up in. So he said, I, I don't, I'm confused. Yeah, confused because people lie about, oh, they just want your money. No, you don't have to pick one over the other. And this is what I told him. I said, somebody that only teaches people the wealth parts of the Bible and the healing parts of the Bible, but ignores eternity and sin and hell, has committed a spiritual felony against the population. But just like that, someone who only tells people about heaven and hell and sin and ignores the parts that will help you in your financial needs and the parts in your health need have equally committed a spiritual felony against the people. You don't have to pick one or the other. We're not a prosperity church. We're a holiness church. We're both. Some people focus on signs and wonders, but not us. We focus on eternity. You can focus on both. You don't have to pick between having an awful life here and a good life in heaven or a good life here and eternity in hell. Godliness, 1 Timothy 4.8. Godliness is profitable unto how many things? Hallelujah. Godliness is profitable unto all things, holding promise in the life that now is and in the life to come. I'm telling you, when you hook up with Jesus, this life gets better. And when you die, you enter into a place called heaven where there's joy, unspeakable, but you don't have to wait to die. God will give you power for now and in the life to come. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. What about prosperity? I said, look what wicked people do with wealth. You push ideologies in school to ruin the minds of six-year-olds and seven-year-olds with money, hundreds of millions of dollars. People go to a di dinner in Long Island, sit at a table with a few people and get $300 million in funding to go screw the country up. And I said, I'm of the opinion that it shouldn't just be in wicked hands. There should, what does the Bible say? The wealth of the wicked is actually laid up for who? Yeah, they shouldn't be able to throw up nine casinos on the strip in Las Vegas and we have to take offerings for 35 years to build one 200-seat church. Those days ended last year. The church is going to operate at a high level from now until when Jesus comes. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just and the righteous shall possess the land. If you receive that, go ahead and clap your hands unto the Lord. Somebody shout a living Hallelujah. So I explained prosperity, and then I explained, so what about people falling under the power? I don't blame people for wondering about that. You went to a normal church, then you go somewhere, there's just people dropping like flies. Yeah, I'd have a question. Is that anywhere in the Bible? I said, yeah, I showed them in the Old Testament. When the glory of God came into the temple, hallelujah. The Bible says the priests couldn't stand to minister, could not stand to perform their ministerial duties. Then they said, well, the only time people ever fell down in the Bible was prostrate, pro prostrate in worship to God. No. John chapter 18. They came to arrest Jesus. Jesus said, whom seek ye? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I am. Capital I, capital A, capital M. I am. Revealing himself as God. At this, they all, I'm quoting, they all fell to the ground backwards. They weren't falling to worship. They were coming to arrest him. 
And when he showed himself as the Christ, those unbelieving people that were coming to arrest and have him murdered couldn't stand in his presence. Yeah, but they were right in the presence of Jesus. Jesus said, where two or three gather in my midst, I am there with them. Jesus, he's alive. He's not dead. He's not a statue. We're not holding a remembrance service for him every Sunday. He's the living head of the church, which is his body, full of life, full of power. So he's, all right. I, and then I said, John. John's another one. You could, you could show it all through the Bible. You could show it through church history. When George Whitfield went to preach in Boston, there were 25,000 people on the, on the Boston courthouse steps. And that, the, the, the population of Boston was much lower. The population of America was much lower. That evangelist, George Whitfield, 80% of the population of America had seen him preach in person, obviously not on TV or radio or live stream. This is the 1600s. 80% of the population of the United States had seen him preach in person by the time he died. So he goes to Boston, 25,000 people pile in. And so people start climbing the trees, just like in the Bible days, to get a better vantage point. And when he got up to speak, he said, before I start preaching, everybody that's climbed up in a tree has to come back down on the ground. Because when I preach, people fall over. And I can't have you falling over out of the tree. He did not have a dead-raising ministry. It's all through church history, all through the Bible. Revelation 1, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and suddenly there appeared before me one whose eyes were like flames of fire, whose hair was white like wool, whose feet were like bronze refined in the furnace. A, a, a two-edged sword proceeded out of his mouth, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. He had a white robe with a gold sash across his chest, and when he appeared before me, I fell as one dead at his feet. I fell. I space F-E-L-L. I fell. There's no such thing as fallen. Yes, there is. Fell is a different tense of fall. I fell as one dead at his feet. But then he picked me up and stood me back up on his feet and said, Behold, I'm the living one who died. And look, now I'm alive and I live forevermore. And I hold the keys of death on the grave. You know, I'm so excited for this coming year because coming out of this fast, I don't know where to begin first. But you can't pick a bad direction. I can't wait to launch into the power of confession, confessing the word of God and what the Bible says about you. I can't wait to get into dominion over the devil. I can't wait to get into the gifts of the spirit. We're going to come out of this fast and, and devour the word of God. And grow up strong in our spirits. Those of you who are going back to your different states in New Jersey and Oregon and Washington State and California, you're going to go over this country and carry enough power in your spirit to make the devil sorry he ever set up shop in your county. So this young man from the UK, then he crosses that off. Okay, you answered prosperity. You answered, uh, and I'll tell you what I told him about prosperity. I said, if you think about prosperity as some guy with his hair slicked back, no one could accuse me of that tonight. I look like I got trapped in a wind tunnel. I look like I got hair transplants that didn't take correctly. If you, if your idea, don't laugh too hard. I have so, you know, I have, I have feelings. I said, if your idea of prosperity 
is some guy with his hair slicked back on at 1.30 in the morning selling green cloth. If you'll give $1,000 and that green cloth will bring prosperity to your life. I said, yeah, be against it. That's not the Bible. Anybody can paint a doctrine as bad by taking the worst examples of the people who preach it. Because that's what people do. Oh, you believe in prosperity? So you're like, no, I don't know that guy. I believe the Bible. And I said, if you read the Bible, there is no way, there's not a way that you can read the Bible and not see that there's, the Bible tells you there is a financial penalty for sin and disobedience to God and a financial reward for obedience and consecration to God. And I told him the story when I was flying out of Tampa, Florida to Montreal, Quebec. There was a lady sitting next to me from Australia. And I walked onto the plane with my Bible, which is not my normal habit, but I, I preached too long. And I, had, I was flying commercial, and I had to go straight to the plane. So I had my suit in town, still holding my Bible from the platform. I went, like, straight there. And I had no clothes with me or anything because I left them. I was in Montreal. I preached for a week. They extended the meeting a second week because the church packed out. But I told Pastor Rodney I'd preach for him. He was on his 300-city tour. So I flew down to Tampa, did the Sunday morning, and then went to fly back immediately. So I had my Bible, and she goes, oh, are you a Christian? Well, you must have the discerning of spirits. <laughs> I said, I said uh, yeah, I, I'm a Christian. Said, oh, me too. And then she was a Christian. She, so she starts telling me. And then I don't know why people feel the need to say stuff. You know, I hadn't said anything. And she goes, I'm, now I'm not a, I don't believe in prosperity. And I said, but yet here you sit in first class. And your eyebrows went up. I said, so explain that to me. I never told her. I just, you say you don't believe in prosperity. I think a lot of the world would consider this prosperity. What are you going to do when they serve the meal in a couple hours? No, no food for me. I don't believe in prosperity. <laughs> well, you're enjoying the best of life. She said, uh, huh, I never thought of that. I See, I've thought of it. <laughs> I've thought of it a lot. I said, now think of this. You say you don't believe in prosperity. But you told me how you, she, she talked the whole time up to that point. And I said, you told me how you ended up in first class. You got a job at a company at the lowest level. People were dishonest, didn't show up for work, failed their drug test, and they kept promoting you, plus your boss liked you, and actually promoted you in a place you weren't qualified for. I said, so just you being an honest, hardworking, joyful Christian caused you to go to the top of the company, and she had told me. Now they're flying me to Europe, paying for me to stay in a five-star hotel and meeting my husband there, and we're going to stay in five-star accommodations on company trip, and they're paying for first class. So even you not believing in prosperity, but being a Christian, caused you to outperform your unsaved contemporaries and go to the top of that company. Somebody tell me how you can serve God and go backwards. There's a favor on your life. You outperform you're not showing up hungover on Monday. You're not checking out two hours early on Friday to go get messed up at Pramani's. No, there's an anointing on your life. And the Bible says, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. You will enjoy an overflowing cup all of this year. So there's prosperity. There's the falling under the power. I said, the power? First of all, he was here for prayer. And... Uh, there was a lady that came here from New Jersey. It was her first time out of the house in two and a half years last week during, no, that was this week. Man, this week feels like it's been like a year. 
I didn't have a chance to fix my hair. So this, this lady came earlier this week from New Jersey, and she told me, it's my first time out of the house in two and a half years. My back hurts so bad that I can't sit in the car, and I found you on YouTube by accident. You popped up. It's, not a, it's the Lord. The Lord's doing it. And she said, I'm watching you, and you said, you need to be here before the end of prayer and fasting. She's been fasting, and so she told her daughter, I'm gonna, I can't drive, but I'm going to book a ticket and fly to Pittsburgh to get prayed for. That's faith. Yes. Haven't been out of the house in two and a half years. You're going to, first of all, to go to the Newark airport is faith. Yes. To go to Newark is faith. She gets on a plane, flies here just to get prayed for. She's not a church person. That's her first time in a service like this. And I didn't say, now listen, when I pray for you, you better. I told the, the, the guy that was asking the question, I said, you saw me lay hands on everybody today. How many people did I linger at until they fell? Jesus, man. I was telling that guy, and he, he's easy to talk to because he's, he's intelligent. He's a university student, plus he's British. Which, whether he's intelligent or not, just the accent makes you seem intelligent. I said, do you think I'm trying to get people to fall down with all our meetings being filmed? I said, and then I'll just answer this, which was another question he had without me knowing, but I know how people think. I said, do you know why we have the people catch people when they fall? Because I said, I used to think, well, if that's the Holy Spirit, let them fall and hit the floor. But I said, there's people that sue ministers that pray for the sick, and they fall and say they hurt their neck and try to get disability checks. I said, so not only do we have catchers that can bench 550, 650, they can not only catch you, they can take you by the ankles. Not, not, not only do we have uh, catchers, I said, did you see how I laid hands on people? I'll lay hands on people like this. Because I think if this goes in a courtroom, if I'm on Judge Judy, and they have to play the footage of me laying hands on people, and someone's like, when he laid hands on me, he hurt my neck and pushed me over. I want to be like, listen, if you got pushed over, but first of all, I'd tell the judge, look at my wrists. I had to have so many links taken out of my watch, they made another watch out of it. My watch is worn by Jeff as a pinky ring. <laughs> you get pushed over by me, you got problems. And I said, did you notice how I laid hands on people? It's, it's for that. I said, the catchers are for that. It's because there's people that try to sue churches. I have a friend of mine that just got sued by someone. They said they got pushed over when they were praying for him and they hurt their neck. And then they found out that was the sixth church that that person had sued. They do it for a living. They go to healing meetings and fall over and hurt their neck. That's their job. I don't know how you list that on, on, a, on a job search website. I'm a professional healing line injury specialist. So I said, that's what the catchers are for. He said, that makes sense. And then the last thing he moved to was the, the healing and speaking in tongues. And I told him about healing and speaking in tongues. These signs will follow all those who believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. And I told him about that lady that came. She could barely walk. She came for prayer. I said, what am I supposed to tell her when she comes for prayer? Sorry, that, that died out 1,900 years ago. So tough luck. Deal with it yourself. I said, and then just, if you get rid of healing, the church just becomes a referral station for pharmaceutical companies. There's a lot of churches you could go to. If your child's battling depression, the pastor will tell you, I know a doctor that can get them on medication. If you're sick, I know a place where you can get painkillers that will help your back. All the past, if you take the supernatural power out of the, out of the church, 
then we just send people to other people for help. But if you read the life and ministry of Jesus, he never had to refer anybody to anybody. They brought unto him all the sick. How many of the sick? And no matter what their sickness or what their disease or if they were possessed by evil spirits, one touch from his hand healed them. How many? Jesus actually had a doctor that traveled with him. Luke was not one of the 12 disciples, but he was one of the 72. And as a medical doctor, all Jesus had him do. Now think of this. As a medical doctor, he was watching Jesus minister to lepers and the deaf and the mute and the maim, and just, it was impressing him. And he was writing down all the wonderful things Jesus was doing. Jesus just handed a doctor a pen and paper and said, write, write down what you see as a record. That the, the chief physician is Jesus Christ. The same way Jesus forgives sin, the same way he bears burdens, bears your burdens, cast all your cares on him, for he careth for you. He's a sin forgiver. He's a burden bearer. And he is the healer of all sickness and disease for those that have faith to call on his name. He has not changed. He will not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to tell the world, religion may have changed. The world may have changed. But Jesus will never change. If you're glad you know him tonight, say yes. yes. And then when I got all done explaining to him, I mean, what, 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 a, what, a, what an excellent young man. Instead of posting, can I talk to you? I mean, that's, that's an interesting guy. It's not like I, I come across as the easiest, you know, like he saw me standing on chairs, spitting and shouting. I'd like to be in a room alone with that guy. <laughs> Mind if I talk to you this week? I have some questions. I asked his question. Then when I got all done, he went, you've answered all my questions. I'll begin attending your church now. I want to attend. And I told him, don't just attend. You're a good guy. I can tell you know the Bible. You believe the Bible. I don't need just another, you know, so you can listen to more, although you will. Get involved. Help me reach college students. I'm not allowed on campus, but you're already there, and they can't keep you off. That's what this church is. We're not looking. This is not a one-man show. This isn't a three-man show. This is raising up. Now, you think as we're heading towards what our, what our big Sunday attendance would be is almost now our average attendance, heading back up to 1,000 just for average attendance. So if we get 1,000 Holy Ghost-filled soul winners, that when somebody tells them, I'm battling severe depression, they're like, oh, tell me about it. Me too. Especially when it's cloudy out. <laughs> that seasonal affective disorder. If you have that in Pittsburgh, you're in for a rough haul. <laughs> I haven't seen the sun in quite some time. What if instead of being a Christian, that when people open up to you about their problems, say, yeah, don't tell me about it. I have the same thing. And I, Let me tell you about a medication I started taking. You start, you start talking about medications and all that, what if there were a 1,000 people strong and, you know, go higher, much higher than that? Hey, I'm depressed. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. You mind if I see your hands? Let me pray for you. Because God has helped me. Jesus has healed me. And he'll heal you too. You'd be shocked how many people will nod their head yes and let you pray. And you say, what if nothing happens? It's impossible for nothing to happen. 
the name of Jesus like a, like a mosquito that has malaria, has malaria in the mosquito. The name of Jesus, the Bible says, is wonderful. It carries wonders in the name. When you pray, now that's why I'm preaching this stuff to you, because if you go by whether you feel anointed or not, I don't know if I'm anointed. How? Do you have a gauge? Are you a video game character with an anointing meter over your head? Some days it's low, other days it's flashing bright and I have special powers. Gain, gain your confidence, not by how you feel. Gain it by the Word of God. So I'm giving you things out of the Word. <laughs> there was a time I got invited, or I was preaching at a church in, in uh, Indiana, and, and I used to preach like, like I do here. I would do a noon service, noon to one, and then I'd do the revival service at 7 o'clock. So I'm just outside of Chicago in northern Indiana, and I had noticed Sunday through Wednesday, there was a lady that used to be in every service. I had gone to this church a decent amount, and I never saw her one time. So I thought, well, maybe she didn't like something I posted on Facebook, or I don't know what happened. So the pastor said to me after the Wednesday night service, do you remember this lady and described her? I said, yeah, I was actually just thinking today. I wonder where she was or if I offended her. She said, no, she got a bacterial lung infection, and she's uh, in the hospital on life support because it keeps spreading. They have run full life support, and her family wants to know if you'd come in and pray for her. Well, I said, sure. Now, when I walked into the hospital, I felt nothing. First of all, I had just preached Sunday through Wednesday, and, that was, and I didn't know about her. So it was like when the service was over, I was like, ah, and I was like on to the next thing. So now you want me to raise somebody from the dead. All right. <laughs> I'm more of a sore backs, bad dream kind of guy, but if you need somebody to raise from the dead, I'll give it a shot. That's how I felt. So I walk in, and now sometimes... This is a wonderful night. Now, I can tell you right now, if you came in here with a problem, good luck leaving with the problem. Because you can feel the power of God's already like cleansing through the place and taking it out. You're only one prayer away from the power of God raising you up out of wherever you're at, setting your feet on the rock to stay, never to go back. Say, I'm not going back. So it's not dependent upon whether you feel anointed. Say this with me. God's word, God's word is, always is always anointed. Now say this. The name of Jesus, name of Jesus is, always is always anointed. And now the less anointed I feel, the more I lean in into those. I'll start using what I know is always anointed. I've been in churches that were so dead, and I didn't, and they were making me feel dead. Then I thought, okay, I don't feel like I have what it would take to break things open in this cemetery of a church. So I'm just going to start. I'll start reading reams of Scripture. Turn to Deuteronomy 20. I'll read verse 1 to 50. Turn to Deuteronomy 11. Turn, just go with faith and faith. And the Word, the Bible says, is like a hammer that smashes the bars of iron. Hallelujah. Say, I'm loaded. Say, I have the name of Jesus. Say, I have the word of God. Say, I'm too loaded to fail. So then anytime you feel weak, remember, when you're weak, he's strong, the Bible says. So you can always lean on the name of Jesus and, and the word of God, the sword of the spirit. So I didn't feel, so I at least knew that much back then. So I come in, this lady's on full life support. And then some hospitals I've gone to, the doctors were supportive. In 2020, during COVID, there was a guy with cancer that wanted prayer. And you know how it was. You, your family wasn't even allowed to see you. The head of the hospital had watched me on 
YouTube. So when they asked him for special permission, he met me at an entrance, walked me to their room, and didn't even make me wear a mask in 2020. So some places I've been to pray for the sick in a hospital, they're very supportive. And the, the head of the hospital, you know, walking me, thank you for what you do. This is very important. This really helps people. I said, thank you. But then other places I've gone, they look at you when you go to pray for somebody in the hospital like you're some relic from the 19th century. People still do this. Oh, I'm so glad I went to medical school for 12 years when really all I needed to do was say a prayer. Now, they've never said that, but that's how I feel they're looking at me. <laughs> go ahead. I've had them tell me before. I'll go in to pray for somebody at like 1 in the morning. Visiting hours are over. Oh, yeah, visiting hours aren't 1 in the morning. Oh, it's 1 p.m. My bad. Yes, I know visiting hours are over. I'm here to pray for them. I'm not here to bring them Reese's cups. So I go in there, and the nurse and doctor, you can tell, if they had their way, I wouldn't be allowed in there, but, but clergy is allowed to go if they're requested by the family. So she's there, breathing machine. <sighs> Boop. You know, that dreaded place. And I put my hand, I took her hand and put it on top of her lungs were, you know, in her breast, and I put my hand on top of her hand. I said, in the name of Jesus, I curse this bacterial infection. I didn't feel anything. So then I, started, I quoted some scriptures. Father, I thank you that you said, anywhere we go to preach, heal their sick. You commanded me. I like throwing it back on God. Actually, this is your fault. I have to be here. <laughs> and without you, I can't do anything. So basically, I'm just here to let you know that. You said wherever we go to, to preach the gospel, you commanded us, heal the sick. And so that's why I'm here. And I thank you that you said in your word, these signs will follow all who believe. They'll lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. I believe you, Lord. That's why I'm here. And I'm asking you to do what I can't do. Let your power come into this woman's body and, and prayed like that. I got all done. Now you wish the story. She got up, pulled her tubes out, danced on the table, but she didn't. She looked more dead when I finished than when I started. So, it's all, so, you know, so you finish, you feel like you did nothing, and then, you know, you look over at the doctor and you're like, like, you done? Okay. Get your little superstitious self out of here. So I leave. And I think, well, did my best. And then I don't hear anything, so you, you, you're sure she probably died because you never heard anything. So I go back 18 months later, a year and a half. And they had two services on Sunday. It was one of those spring days in March or April where it was just starting to crest 70 degrees, and it feels good, and it was sunny out. So I finished the morning service, and I, <laughs> I used to sweat. I still sweat, but I used to sweat a ton back then. I looked like some businessman. Like I'm wearing a suit, all sweaty. I looked like some businessman that tried meth for the first time at a truck stop. So I'm like, I preached hard in the morning, and then there was a second service. So it was like 9 and 11. So I finished the 9 o'clock service, and I was sweaty, and the church bordered a uh, gas station. So I walked over to the gas station. I bought a Red Bull, and then I thought, I'll stand out in the sun during the praise and worship service to just dry out and enjoy this Red Bull and feel the sun. So I'm standing there drinking, and this lady that looked like that lady that didn't come to church that 18 months that I prayed for, but her hair was dark brown, and, you know, she looked better. But as she's walking up, I'm drinking my Red Bull, and I thought, man, that looks like that lady that I prayed for. And then I got kind of discouraged. I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Never heard her. She must have died. Why am I even here preaching? I don't help anybody. 
And I'm drinking, looking at her while all these thoughts go through my head. And then as she's walking, she looks up and sees me looking at her. Well, now I look like a complete creep. Because she's walking to church and I'm standing outside just like, hello. But I wasn't looking like that. I was just thinking about who I prayed for. So I said, because she saw me looking at her, I thought I owed an explanation. And I said, hey, sorry you caught me looking at you. I wasn't, I was looking at you because you look like a lady that used to go to this church that I prayed for. She said, I was coming to tell you I am that lady. She said, five days after, she said, my family told me you came in to pray for me when I was here last night. Five days after you came in, all the infection was gone, and they signed me out of the hospital, and I've never been back. And she gave me a huge hug. So the pastor was in his study, so she hugged me. I marched in. I was simultaneously very thankful. I went from feeling like I didn't even belong in the ministry to like Oral Roberts and Elijah wrapped into one. And then I got mad. I walked into the pastor's study, and he said, oh, hey, Jonathan. I said, hey, you know that lady we went to the hospital and prayed for when I was here last time that was on full life support? Oh, yeah. She's alive. He went, oh, yeah, I know. Hey, you know, the next time we go raise someone from the dead, think you can clear out 90 seconds to fire me off a text message? I've been battling depression for two years because you can't send me one text message that the, oh, yeah, it looks cleared out. Somebody say the anointing lifts the burden. And breaks the yoke of bondage. Now, we started in Mark 9. What happened? They could not do it. They couldn't heal the son. But Jesus said, you faithless generation, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. You have taken the action these last 19 days with two more to go to decide to walk in a greater measure of the anointing. And I prophesy in the name of Jesus, where you used to come up short, you're not going to come up short anymore. You're going to see answers to your prayer in Jesus' name. You're going to see signs and wonders follow you because you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you receive that, go ahead and lift your hands and begin to thank the Lord out of your mouth. Go ahead and shout with the voice of triumph. For the Lord has given you. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Say it right out loud. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Now lift your hands wherever you're at. Just begin to thank God that you're going to walk in a greater measure. A greater measure of his power. A greater measure of divine authority. You're a believer, and you're going to have accompanying you what accompanies believers. These signs shall follow everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. Not everyone who believes in the first century. Everyone who believes in the 21st century. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Everybody shouted amen. amen. Give the Lord another great hand clap. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you can be seated. I, I'm telling you, I'm more convinced today than I was when we started the fast. I'm more convinced today than when I was at that church, and that happened in 2011. This stuff works. How many of you were here on Sunday? 
What did we focus our faith on on Sunday? Operation 500. To have 500 people, not total. But I told you there's a danger in a church like this because I've been traveling for 20-some years on the road. And, you know, you see people have flown in from all over the place. We're on television. So that brings people in. You have a danger in a ministry like this where we could end up with a church of 3,500, but it makes no impact in the city because it's all just people that relocated from other places. No one in the city even knows you exist because you've had very few people from Pittsburgh get saved. You just collected a lot of people from around the country. I want 500 local people that are currently on their way to hell in this church. Now you say, not because not we're the only church, but I want, them in, I want to be their pastor. I didn't get into the, into the ministry so that other people could do it. They can get their own people. And I'm not looking to get people from other churches. I want people that are on their way to hell to find Jesus Christ and see salvation come to their family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, that's where we focused our faith on Sunday. Same power that drives bacteria, uh, bacterial infections out of lungs. We'll say it's all the same source of power. That's all. That's all we do here. We don't limit God's power to one area. The same power that, he, that saves a soul, delivers people from heroin addiction, delivers people from vices and demonic bondage, heals cancer, sets people free from poverty. It's the same spirit. It's not part of it. I am El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. The all-sufficient one. Hallelujah. And it, it really stood out to me. I should have done it sooner. We take time and pray, Lord. You know, we, we, we took that list, seven names, and I start praying generally too. Father, help me as the pastor. A pastor should lead the way in every area. It's not, you know, I grew up in, in churches. No one in this church wins any souls. What about you? You know, the truth is, our goal of having 500 people in here, I should be able to do that with the help of God. Well, no, you do it. I should do it. I meet people all the time. If you're anointed, you should be able to get people saved. I'm going to do it. So we pray, and I'm not joking you. The next day, it shocked me. Lord, help me, help me to, to win souls in Pittsburgh, in the city where I, I pastor. I leave here. We have one neighbor, that house. We've been having services for 21 days with a real drum set. And I walk out of the prayer meeting, and he opens his work truck and signals me to come over. And I thought, uh oh. So I get ready to say, yes, well, we'll do our best to tone it down. He goes, uh, hey, I know I told you when you invited me last year, I'd come to your church. You said the year got away from me. I'm going to come. He said it would be therapeutic for me to be there. I want to go. Then he told me about an injury sustained doing work and, and, and asked me if, if I wouldn't mind praying for him. I felt like I was in, like when I was growing up in the Assemblies of God, they had these, these witnessing videos that they showed, how to share your faith. And, you know, the guy would be at work, hello, Bob. I've noticed there's a great light on the inside of you. Could you tell me what it is? Well, sure. I was like, no one ever asked anyone that. And here I am in a real-life witnessing video. I'd like to come to your church, and I'm going to come soon. Would you mind praying for me? I thought, is this, are we in the 1800s? 
I've never heard of this. I said, sure. I grabbed his hands and prayed. And then I go, where was the next? Oh, yeah. Then that guy from, from England. Hello, I, I don't go to church like this. I've had many questions. I thought this was a cult. Now I really enjoyed it. I'd like to come. There's two by the, by the next day. And then I went up by the Giant Eagle and Settlers Ridge to go pay for something. And I've been to that business before, and I've talked to the lady. Sad to say, I never... <laughs> you know, I'm from the Northeast. I'm big on efficiency. If you ask me how my day is, I say good. Even if everyone in my family died that day. So who... How are you doing today? Great. How are you? I'm not from Louisiana, where if you say, how are you today, you better get a chair. <laughs> well, <laughs> like... <laughs> No, no, let me cut you off. I don't actually care. I was just saying uh, hello. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I should do a better job. I'd never have told this lady I'm a, a pastor or anything, or a Christian, or any, I just pay and leave. But she's seen my credit card. So I come in. She goes, I'll take him. So... My, I went to, to celebrate Christmas with my parents, and they were raving about this new church out by the airport. And I said, what's the name of the church? They said, Revival Church. <laughs> they got two out of the three words. <laughs> Not bad. This is a Revival Church. What's the pastor's name? Uh, his name's Pastor Jonathan. And they described him. And I said, Jonathan Shuttlesworth? <laughs> They said, yeah. She said, so I'm, I'm going to come to your church. You know, I went from thinking I was going to have to invite, but people are just inviting themselves. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Pastor. You never told me you had a church. I'm coming whether you want me to come or not. Three people in one day. The same power that heals the sick, attracts the lost, delivers the captives. The power of the Holy Ghost is the secret calling card of the church. Thank God for a great release of that power on your life and ministry. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of Almighty God. Go ahead, take 30 more seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Stay on your feet, everybody. How many of you believe one day God will send a revival? You know, I think we're in one. We're not having this conversation with 11 people tonight. I like the fact that we, this church borders a bar and the noisiest place. If any place is going to get a noise complaint, then it ain't the bar. And we have 10 times more people here than they have at the bar. And the parking lot at that adult movie store down the street's empty. Yeah. This, this parking lot's not empty. Yeah. Also, who's buying adult movies on VHS? So maybe that's part of the problem. Good Lord. Did you just come out of a coma? <laughs> not that you should buy them. I'm just saying, like, good luck staying open. No, we're not having conversation that this church is empty. How I many do believe one day this church will be full? It filled up so fast. We had to have a meeting at city council. Too many cars. Too many people. That's going to be the story. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. That's going to be the story of the end time church. <laughs> you know, the, I had a feeling and people on my staff had a feeling. Man, that'll be great when we build our next building and then we have plenty. Of, it'll never happen. We will never have, if we ever have plenty of parking and plenty of seats, it's because we got out of the will of God. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. God is a God of overflow. He's not the God of just enough. He's not the God of barely enough. He's the God of more than enough. When you do what he says, he gives you too much overflow. Second Chronicles 20, they spent three days gathering up the spoil, more than they could hold. Get ready for a year of more than you can hold because you're a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and God has given you power. Um, my, the Puerto Rican mom and, and, and daughter, Victoria, and, uh, and then the, my friend from the Syrian family, all of them from Mountain, just step out in the house so everybody can see you. Because just saying that and seeing you. When did we get hooked up? Why did you drive five hours to be in church today? What, what year was that that I, I preached in, uh, in, in Bethlehem or Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is like San Juan with more Puerto Ricans? Oh, you were at the crusade. You got saved there. We did an outdoor crusade in Allentown. It was 40-some degrees out, right? How did you come to the crusade? <laughs> and, then you, and then your mom. And then Jessica, were you? Youth convention. The church they go to in Allentown, we had a meeting it was, and again, I'm sad to say, if this makes you lose respect for me, um, I, can't, I can't help it. It's the truth. <laughs> but I had the novel idea back in 2014 that before I went to, out to preach, I was going to do one lap around my whole neighborhood, which it's a big neighborhood, and pray for that meeting. Father, bring people in. Help, help me. Supernaturally. And that church seats about 350 we had 726 people by the end of the first week, and then they extended it into a second week, and then I had to go preach in, in Congo. I, sh I, sh I don't know. I don't know if I always made the right call. Sometimes I should have just canceled a meeting and kept going. 726 in a 400-seater. They had to pull all the swivel office chairs out. You had big adults sitting on the little children's Sunday school chairs. Lots of, I'm talking they had to use every chair and stool in the building. Then we had people seated on the stairs of the altar, and, and, and they had all the youth sit like cross-legged uh, on the altar. I mean, the church, when I say packed, I'm talking like, thank God the fire marshal cared nothing for the lives of the people in that city at that time. <laughs> We'd have been shut down immediately. Then, you know, revivals get like sloppy, but in a good way. Where there's cars, people just parked their cars like in people's yards. <laughs> people were upset, but there's nothing you could do about it. We're gonna tow the cars. You don't have enough tow trucks. It's too many cars. Two, two, two tow trucks are gonna tow all those cars at the revival meeting. Take you three days. 
where the overflow that God gives the church actually overwhelms the forces of darkness that would oppose the growth of the church. And then to see you here all these years later, I mean, if that was Youth, youth Convention 2013, that's 10 years. Then you guys are, when was the crusade? 2016? 17. So you've been serving the Lord now six years. Were you already saved, Mom? So how'd you, so then she got saved, how'd you get saved? And all that little church in the country. That church that she said she took her to in Grantville, Pennsylvania. If you don't know where Grantville, Pennsylvania is, I've been there three times and I still don't know where it is. <laughs> but that church, they would rent their parking lot to a business across the street during the week. So when I showed up for my noon service, the parking lot was jammed. I thought, we're in revival. And then I walked in, there was like 11 people. <laughs> thought, What's with the cars? They told me that. So was, I went from being very encouraged to feeling like throwing myself off the roof of the church. So you got saved there. Huh. And then that pastor's son is Pastor Rodney's assistant in Tampa. He, he got called in the ministry, and he's down there. Now look at her get saved, then bring her mom, her smiling mom in. They're at every meeting, if I'm anywhere within six hours. That's how it goes. It starts a chain reaction. Let me tell you this. Don't let any thought from you, any thought from the enemy, malign your importance to this end time move of God. The Great Commission, I did not agree with this when I was 18 and 19. I thought I could win the whole world for Christ. And I, at Bible college, I said, no one could win the whole world for Christ. I thought, oh yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but then I went to India for the first time and I thought, yeah, it probably is too much for one person. There's a lot of people. Lagos, Nigeria, a lot of people. Kinshasa, Congo, 20 million people and growing, just one city, a lot, lot of people. So the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them, teaching them to obey these things, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, healing the sick. You can, nobody can do that to the whole world. There's nobody. Jesus couldn't. That's why his plan was to come and do what he did. And then he said, I'm going to go and pour my spirit out. So instead of there being one of me that can get exhausted, there'll be an inexhaustible millions who carry, as the Father sends me, so send I you. My, my, my friend that I greeted from Georgia and Florida, what happened to you in the meetings that makes you want to like come all the time? Anything special or you just enjoy it? You, well, you're in a position now where you're preaching, speaking to some private schools? No, but they're inviting you in to speak. No, you're, you're doing good. Let, let, me do, let me do this. Take two steps forward and lift both hands so you, you can leave with what you came for. 
You know, if you're an insecure, competitive person, then you want to do all the preaching. Like if I was a wrong kind of pastor, I would want to be in charge of the outreach team at Robert Morris University. I'm in charge of young adults because everything has to, you get all the credit. But if you're somebody like me who just wants to go home and play video games, the more you do, the happier I am. Now, the way I look at it, back when I didn't have any meetings, then I'd want to get invited to South Florida and preach. But I, now, I feel like by laying hands on you, then you can go and bite off your piece of the Great Commission. And that's what tonight is. We had everybody, we had everybody show what different states they're from. Where's the couple from North Dakota? North Dakota. They represent 30% of the population of North Dakota. They're here. Do you think it's an accident that there's all these people, Oregon, Washington State? God is bringing people here. This is an impartation service tonight. To catch the fire, go back to your state and make the devil sorry he ever stepped foot in that area. Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, the fire of God comes on the inside of you. I'm telling you, the next time you speak at one of those schools, you're going to see tears coming out of kids' eyes as you tell them about Jesus. It won't feel like you're doing anything different, but the anointing is going to go up like 10x. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, give Jesus a great big hand clap. Hey, um, be seated briefly. Media team, grab, grab, I know I told you to get two other clips ready, but grab the one, because this one made an impression on me. They all do, but this one, grab two different ones. Grab the lady that couldn't eat and grab um, the, the, the young lady that testified here during prayer and fasting about how the Lord delivered her. And I just want to show you where people are at and God's power to... to affect real change. Jesus didn't put his hands on people's shoulders and go, hey, God, my father, just help them as they go through this difficult time. They brought unto him all the sick, and no matter what their sickness or what their disease, you know what, you see all these parents come to Jesus, my boy's a lunatic. They don't use words like that, but those words should be used today. You see, what's, you see what happens downtown Portland, Oregon, that's lunatics. Those are people who need the devil cast out of them. What are you going to do if you don't have the Holy Ghost? Like if you don't believe in, in, in God's power, how are you going to go minister to Antifa in Portland? You're going to come back in a body bag. What are you going to do? Tell, tell them the four steps to salvation? But then if you're my friend, Pastor Lou, who pastors up in Oregon, and Antifa throws a, a, a protest at his church, and the head of Antifa that's marching onto his property, he said, now, if you knew Pastor Louie, looks like a retired WWE wrestler. He's a huge, strong guy with a Captain Lou Albano gray goatee. And he said, when I saw these guys marching on my property, you know, and the, he felt, I'm going to go take a run at these guys. And then he said, all of a sudden, I felt the overflowing love of Jesus for them. And he said, I went up, they're yelling, and they got weapons. And he said he went over, you know, they got weapons and they're yelling, but they're like 110 pounds. So he wheels over. Whoever's in charge of the nutrition for Antifa, you need to step it up. So he said, I went up to him, and as he's yelling, I put my arms around him tight. 
and started praying into Rocco Stondia. And he said the guy went limp. And then when he let go, the kid's out of it. He laid him in the grass. And he laid there for minutes. And then when he woke up, he, he wanted people to explain to him where he was. You're in a church lawn. Why am I here? We were wondering. <laughs> yeah, he's demon possessed. You'd be amazed how nice people are when the devil comes out. People say, do you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? Technically, no. Practically, yes. Because if you're going to live in this hour, you ain't going to do it by might. You're not going to do it by human power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's why you're here tonight on this Friday night. This is a night of God pouring out his spirit to start this new year on his bride, on the church that is his body. Before they play the video, everybody say, not by might, not by, might. Not by, power, not by power, but by my spirit, by my spirit. Says, the says the Lord. I was preaching the Alaska, the Alaskan State District State Youth Convention for the Assemblies of God when I was uh, 20, uh, 34. And um, you know how I move around when I'm preaching. So I, I, didn't, I didn't talk about sexual immorality, or maybe I did, but I, I never talked about like homosexuality or anything. I was just preaching faith. And so there was about a thousand young people there. And when I finished, this kid, I talked to a few people like you see me do sometimes after the service. And this one kid standing in front like eight feet away, 15 years old. And I couldn't tell whether he wanted to talk to me or not. So I didn't want to seem like arrogant, like, would you like to talk to me? But then I also didn't want to walk off if he, if he was like, uh, unsure of himself and shy. So I said, hey, uh, were you waiting to talk to me? He shook his head, yes. I said, hey, how can I help you? So he had waited till everybody left. He said, I used to be, no, he said, I'm a homosexual. So when he said that, I thought he wanted to argue. And he went, well, I guess I was a homosexual. He said, when you were preaching, he was sitting on the front row. He said, when you walked by me, it felt like, now think of this, because people don't know theological terms or anything. So it was interesting how he talked. He said, it felt like there was a man who lived inside of me who liked other men, and I felt him just get up and leave. And he said, I don't feel any same-sex attraction anymore. <laughs> gave, gave me a big hug. Thank you so much. I said, thank, thank Jesus. That's what has inspired me to fast and pray. You enter into a different level of the anointing. You don't have to shake a kid. Come, you, be free from that. Be free. No. When you walked by me, the fire that you're carrying burnt those snakes out. And I'm free. You start entering it, and this is what you're going to see the rest of the year. You're going to carry something where the devil can't be in the same room with you. That's what Jesus had. Jesus got up to speak, and a man that had a demon cried out, Have you come to destroy us before our time? How come the demon was quiet the whole time the other guy was speaking before they introduced Jesus? He didn't have it. But then when Jesus spoke, when, no, before he spoke, he got up. I'll tell you one more, and then I'm going to play those videos. Because I told you one bad hospital story where the hospital wasn't friendly. Where's Kofi? Has he abandoned me? <laughs> Kofi was there. Oh, I remember this. It was during fasting and prayer. And I was doing a service schedule like this. Day, day teaching, night preaching. So we do the 21 days, 
And I did a stricter fast that time than I did this time. I never broke after six. I broke after six twice on this fast. Just so you know, just in case photos emerge of me eating two loaves of bread. They're true, but it was only twice and it was after six. But that, the, the other time I never broke after six. And uh, I was very strict and I was preaching a lot. So when we came to the end of the, this was the last service, but I hadn't broken the fast yet. I was exhausted. So I get a message during the day. Me and Adonis are out. And somebody messages Adonis. Can Jonathan come and pray for my mom? She went paralyzed all of a sudden. She can't even lift her, her arms up to brush her hair. It just came on her all of a sudden. So Adonis goes, so-and-so wants you to come to the hospital and pray for him. I said, Adonis, what do you want me to do? I'm doing a day service and a night service. I've been praying for people in both services. I, what do you, I, I don't have time. She put her hand very gently on my shoulder and went, Jonathan, you're going to go to that hospital and pray for that lady because she needs help. My wife uh, is a concealed carry member, so I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so I, she said, they want to know when you can come. I said, tell them I'll come after the night service the last night because I like to procrastinate. Because if Jesus came before that, then I don't have to go pray for her. So I put it all the way at the end. So we finished, prayed for everybody. I ran the service super late and um, like 11 o'clock. So don't get nervous. We're almost done. But back, back then, I'd, I'd go a long time. So Kofi takes me. He, he said, I'll drive you. It was like rainy. It was the same weather like now. We go to the hospital. I do not want to pray for this lady. I'm just there out of obligation. So I walk up and the guy goes, you know, in Pittsburgh, visiting hours are over. Yes, I had a feeling they were over. I'm a minister. And I came, I came to pray and told the ladies, okay, you can go. So Kofi waited in the lobby. And I went into this lady's room. And the nurses, this was at UPMC, they were nice. They, they didn't treat me like bad because I was a preacher. They, they went, oh, that's great you're here. And they walked in and flipped the lights off. I said, no, 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 leave the lights off. I'm not visiting. I'm not visiting. I'm here to pray. And I'm telling you, because there's a lot of pastors watching and stuff, do that. When you go to the hospital, go to pray. Don't sit and chat. I mean, you can have a visitation, Pastor. When somebody wants healed, they don't get healed. You have an, uh, it, it actually takes it like into the soul room. Go in and let it rip. So it's, it's 2 in the morning at this point, 1.40, something like that. I don't want to flip the lights on. I can actually pray better. She's, she's asleep. She doesn't need to know I'm there. The Lord will do it in her sleep. So I laid my hand on her head. I said, you foul paralysis that attacked this lady. As, you know, I assume, I don't think everything's a demon. A lot of things aren't demons. A lot of things are, I wish everything was a demon. You can cast demons out. You can't cast stupidity out of people. So this, though, I thought was a demon. For someone that's not, you don't just go paralyzed. So how do you go? You can't move any of your limbs, and they can't uh. figure it out in the hospital? I said, you foul spirit of infirmity that's attacked this woman. She's a Christian. I know who she is. I command you to go now. I command her to get full range of movement back. And then as I'm praying, she kind of woke up. And as I'm praying, she went like this and lifted her hands. So I, it kind of freaked. You know, when you're a faith preacher, you're supposed to expect it. But I, I got freaked out. <laughs> you know, I command you to move. You're actually moving your hands. You know, you're not supposed to be surprised, but, you know, I was younger then. So when she lifted her arms, I actually quit praying. I went, hey, you're lifting your arms. And, and she was crying. I said uh, she couldn't lift them up all the way, but she's moving them, couldn't move them at all. I took my pocket handkerchief out, and 
Acts 19.11, garments were taken from the skin of Paul, taken to those that were sick, any sickness or disease dead was healed, and any evil spirit came out. I said, I'm laying this on you, and God's going to do the rest of the work in Jesus' name. So she lifts her hands. She's praying in tongues as I'm leaving. The nurse was nodding her head, like happy. And then her daughter sent me a video of right after they had installed the chair to take her up the stairs, because they told her she'd have this her whole life. It's not going to go away. She sent me a photo of her with her hands lifted, praising God, walking up the stairs next to the chairlift with no need of it. So, now I'm going to tell you something. Just like when the enemy attacks, if you don't put a stop to it, it keeps going. When a miracle happens, it's like throwing a rock in a pond, the ripples go out. So I think I'm done. So I'm like, all right, great, I'm out of here. So I, I'm exhausted, and I'm not exhausted much. I'm not saying every time I preach I'm exhausted, but I was. I hadn't eaten, and I'd been preaching for three weeks and, pray, and laying hands on people. I'm done, and I'm extra done. So I take the elevator down to the first floor to leave. Kofi had gone to get my SUV, and uh, there's two sisters waiting to take the elevator up, and they go, Brother Shuttlesworth? And I was this close to going, no. I don't know who that is, but certainly not me. I thought of it, but you could tell they knew it was me, so. I said, yes. Oh, this must be God. I don't know. That's your opinion. This must be God. I said, what? They said, we came to see you preach in Weirton, West Virginia, in 20, whenever, 12. And uh, our mother just got sick. She has COPD, and it's closing in on her heart, and then she has a rash that won't heal on her skin. And we were just saying, we, we, we need someone to pray, and you came off the elevator at 2 in the morning. I said, yes, all those things are true, but still, I don't, I don't feel it's the Lord. It may be the enemy trying to kill me from exhaustion. I said, all right. Would you come and pray for our mom? I said, I will. So this is what reminded me of this is how all those people has to come to church in one day. And then now this is like a Bible college dream. You go to pray for one person in a hospital, go to leave. And then they're, oh, are you, I wasn't on TV or anything back then. Very not famous. And oh, it's you. Will you come pray for our mom? I said, all right, let's go. So we go up in the elevator. They're thanking God. Oh, God, thank you for sending Jonathan. Yeah, Thanks. <laughs> And then we go into the room. Now, I thought I was there to pray for the one woman, which I was sure I was. But when I walked in this lady's room that had gone to see me preach in Weirton, West Virginia, now she's dying. And then I walk in the room with a suit on at 2 in the morning. She had this look on her face, like 50% praise the Lord, and 50% I think they have me on too much morphine. Because <laughs> 2 in the morning, I walk in, she, go, she goes, she couldn't even say like, like, a syllable, she had to like pause after every syllable to catch her breath. Jonathan. I said, yeah. I said, I'm here to pray for you. Now, I told you in Indiana I didn't feel anything. I told you with, my, with the lady I prayed for that went paralyzed, I didn't feel anything. When I walked into the room between the faith of the two sisters and, and, and the mom feeling like I was an angel coming in, I could feel their expectation, and I felt it. I said, where's the rash? And she's from West Virginia, so she showed me. Right here. I said, okay, I was, you could have pointed, but all right. I, I, I would have believed you. Okay. I, 
That was the last time I ever asked anyone, <laughs> where's the rest? You know, you hear about all these ministers getting burnt out. If you do, everything's funny. God keeps, you know, one time, in one, my Uncle Ted that came here to preach last Wednesday, he was going on the healing line. They have the band pl playing loud, bass, drums. So he goes to the lady, what do you need prayer for? She goes, my knees. He went down and started rubbing her knees. In the name of Jesus, I loose the life of God into these cartilage and ligaments. I command you to not lose your ability to walk. She went, my niece. Can you imagine asking for prayer for your niece? And the you want prayer for your niece? They, they warned me about these people on HBO. I should have listened. And you know, my Uncle Ted, when she said, my niece, he went, be right back up. <laughs> Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You'll never lack joy in 2023. I said, you'll never lack joy in 2023. Laugh in the face of the devil. Shout Hallelujah. I said, I said, I command this rash to clear up. I said, put your hands where your lungs are. I command these lungs to breathe normally. She start. I said, now take a deep breath. She, she did. I said, now talk without your breath catching. She starts talking. So <laughs> it's 2.20 in the morning, and I'm not praying an ecumenical prayer. I for, you know, you forget. I just have one gear, if you can't tell. So it's 2.20. Now in the name of Jesus. So this, these, these two lady nurses come in to like tell me to quiet down. And I'm telling you the truth. They both come in. And I could tell they're coming to tell me to quiet down. I was actually, oh, shoot, I forgot how loud I was being. They went like this. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> because you could feel it. It was palpable. So they stayed with their hands lifted. And then the, the mom starts talking. She, you know, one West Virginia, she gave me a hug. West Virginia people are great. We did a crusade in, we did a crusade in Clarksburg, West Virginia. It's the only time this has happened in 21 years. One of the people that got saved in the outdoor amphitheater came up towards the end of the week, rolled their, said, thank you for coming here to preach. And I wanted to say thank you, rolled their sleeve up, and they had Jonathan sloppily tattooed on their bicep. Like, okay. Up to you. You're welcome. Thanks, preacher. I, I added you to my wall of fame. So the two, the two nurses have their hands lifted. Then the sisters, can you pray for us? We're not serving the Lord. And many believed on him, seeing the miracles that he did. It's the same power. I said, sure. Prayed the sinner's prayer with that. They hugged me, the mom hugged me, and the nurses hugged me. Because the anointing like softens people up. That's why full gospel churches are the most hugging places. It actually messes you up. <laughs> when you're in church twice a day like you've been, it messes you up on the outside. My, my, you tell people you love them. <laughs> you're at the, you're, you're, you're the get-go. All right, that'll be $5.99. All right, here's your change. Love you. Oh, yeah, that, I, I'm not lying. That's it. 
West Virginia. Spelled it right and everything. So, <laughs> hey, let me, tell, let me tell you one more thing. You know my cousin Teddy, Ted Shuttlesworth Sr.'s son? <laughs> he had just been in revival meetings for two weeks preaching. And, it, you know, message, yeah, we all hug. Brother, we, I love you. So he gets home to his house in Parkland, Florida. And his neighbor would always talk to him, come across the street and talk to him. So he's been in the church for, you know, two straight weeks, morning and night preaching. So when they get done talking, just out of church habit, Teddy puts one arm around his shoulder. Love you, man. He said the guy got, like, stiff as a board and, like, wriggled away from him and went back to his house. And he said, the guy would talk to him every day when he came home. Now, every day when he comes home, the guy leaves his driveway and goes back inside and shuts the door. Got this gay preacher across the street. Now, if you came in here with depression, check now and see if you still have it. You don't have depression. You have the joy of the Lord, joy unspeakable and full of glory, and the half has never yet been told. Hey, receive a fresh baptism of joy. So when I came back down to the, to the lobby of the hotel after praying for the, the lady and leading her two daughters to the Lord, Kofi was there because I told him to pull the car up like 40 minutes ago and then I'm gone. He went, what happened? So I told him the same story I just told you. And Kofi, my friend from West Africa, there's a lot of words people have given me in the past that are certain, I can see the beginnings of them coming true now. He said, the day will come where if you come to the hospital to pray for somebody, people just start coming out of their, their rooms for prayer. You'll have to pray for the whole floor. I thought, well, that's a very nice African thing to say. <laughs> but people don't do that here. But I'm telling I can see it now. That Pittsburgh is going to be shaken by the power of God. In the last days, you know who said? God said, in the last days, saith God. Yeah, last days, mark of the beast, last day, one world government. I know that. But the devil's not the only one that has an agenda for the last days. Second of all, I'll tell you this. The devil's agenda for the last days is unraveling quickly. The World Economic Forum, no one's showing up. They failed. They pumped trillions of dollars to lock this nation down, to shut the church down. And for the first time in American history, 51% of Christians go to church every week. The highest it's ever been in the history of the United States. The plan of the devil has failed. And the righteous shall possess the land. I tell you, congratulations in advance. Hallelujah. Be seated briefly. Play, play the testimony of... Uh, the lady with the cheeseburger. Watch this. I came last night and I felt so good. Sturgis and bike rally. today I haven't eaten, like I can't eat. At four years of this pain and throwing up, <laughs> throwing up and, and I'm skinny, you know, uh, but I ate two meals today. I've had some juice. I've had a whole bunch of stuff. Everybody's like, are you okay? Why are you eating? This is for real. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I came to Sturgis to hang out, buy bike parts. Then I found Jesus, and it's a whole different thing here, right? <laughs> God is way bigger.
better than anything. And I know for a fact today, in my heart, we got lots of medical doctors, but there's only one big physician, only one, only one, and he's the only one that can do it. And he, I don't got it anymore. Like, I don't know where it went. I've eaten today. I, I ate part of my boyfriend's burger. I don't, there's no other explanation. There's really just not. Yes, I just believed it, and it happened. Like, you, I've never felt like this in my life. Never. Now you're healed. I'm telling you, I'm healed. I almost can't wrap my own head around it at the, because it's so, four years not eating. Yeah. I'm drinking Insure for old people, right? I can't eat. I've had a whole meal. Praise God. God is good. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. No, just say God is good. God is amazingly good. He's my physician right now, Amen. right? He's Amen. mine. There's some doctors who gave me some guidance, but I, I'm gonna go to the big physician from now on, cause that's that's where it's at. That's where I gotta be. Amen. Yeah, thank you. God bless you. Play, play the other now. For a miracle to happen to, to a biker that's never been to church, heard the gospel for the first time, 36 hours, they couldn't eat for four years, and they're eating to the point that the other bikers say, "Hey, you can't eat." There's gonna be people tonight that God's going to so radically change your life that people are going to remind you you can't do that, and you're going to do it right in their face as a testament to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Now, play this moving testimony. That was in Sturgis for our outreach. This is from our church, and this is touching. Roll it. But in January, I found no, myself no, no, no. completely... No, 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 the young lady uh, and her mom. Family, you know, this church was put here for us. Like, we are local people. This is our community. And, you know, my, my child, she, she wouldn't want to come to church with me. She didn't. I fought with her. Pause. I fought with her. I'm like, you have to come. You have to come. And she's like, oh, you know, Pause. I'm tired. No, no, put the screen back up. She's running iron over your jeans, Jonathan. Look like I keep them in my glove compartment. <laughs> Look like crepe paper. Anyway, this is bothering me. Go ahead. Tired or... I'm depressed or I just don't, I'm not doing well. And I'm like, no, you, you need to get under this church. You need to get under this youth group. And she, she did. She came. She was struggling with so many, so many things. And she's just a completely different person. All glory to God. You, you don't have to say anything you don't want to say, but tell, tell me, like, what change you felt from before you came till, till now? Well, I was, I'm just completely different. I, like, I thought I was a boy. I thought I sat there and I told my mom and I sat there and I thought I was a boy and I thought that so hardly and I was depressed I wouldn't want to come out of my room I didn't want to go to school I hated church I told myself that I was a Satanist I I did not believe in God I told myself I did not believe in God that I would never believe in God that that was never where I was going to be in my life and then coming, I came to, I started coming to church the night he gave uh, the motorcycle away, 
and that was the first service, and I remember I sat there, and I sat there, like, all, like, angry, cross-legged, like... How much did you hate me when you first heard me? Oh, I hated you with a passion. <laughs> like, when I first met you, no, like, was for you at all. And whenever people would clap at things, I would sit there still cross-armed, just, like, stern face, and then, like, Mom had me keep coming and coming, and then um, Pastor Kofi had me meet Pastor Maddie, and then I met some of the youth kids, and I started going to youth. And that is what really helped me find God. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you must be born again. And you must be totally born again. You can't have one foot in the world, one foot in church, one hand on the cross, one hand on the world. I would that you be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. And if you're here and you've never fully surrendered your life to Jesus, or you once did, but you fell away, or became lukewarm or complacent, you want to come back to the Lord to stay right at the beginning of this year. This isn't going to be like other years. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm done with the devil. I'm going to serve the Lord all the days of my life. It starts, there has to be a day where you commit yourself to that. That's today. It'd be a mistake to leave this meeting with this presence of God here. And Well, I'll do it some other time. Nights like this don't come along. So right here, as the Lord's calling you and speaking to you down on the inside, I want you to surrender your life to him. If you say, Jonathan, that's me. You've never done that before or you once didn't fell away, and I want to leave here knowing I'm saved. I want to lay my head to the pillow tonight and know I have peace with God. My sins are forgiven, and I'm on my way to heaven. I want you to quickly put your hand up high and wave it at me in Jesus' name. We're going to pray. I see your hands in the back. Keep them up. I see you in the front. Lots of hands. Very quickly, everyone that lifted a hand, come out of your seat and join me at the front. We're going to pray. We're not going to hold you long. We're going to say an important prayer and take care of business. Come right now. Everyone that lifted a hand, you can come together as friends. If you brought a friend, you can come together, but come. Keep clapping. Come right up. There's more. Keep coming. Lord's dealing with your heart. Come. Make tonight a very special night. Who else before we pray? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right? Lift both hands to the Lord. I'm going to give you the words to say, but make them your own words. Say them from your heart. God hears this prayer, and he's going to forgive all your sins. Write your name down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you won't have to try to argue your way into heaven. He'll receive you into heaven because of what you just did right now. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. 
Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your eyes closed and your hands lifted. Let me pray for you. Anything that opened a door into your life from your past life, the Lord's going to supernaturally close all those doors now where nothing dark or evil or bad will have an access point to your life anymore. In Jesus' name. I thank you for your word, Father. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old life is dead. The old life is dead. Behold, all things become new. Receive that newness of life. Everything that's of the old life dies. Everything that needs to become new becomes new. New mind, new body, new heart. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it, Lord, and I give you praise. I give you praise, O oh Lord, for these four. Keep your hand upon them. Keep their spirit sensitive to your voice. May they never miss your perfect will by one inch. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated briefly. I'm going to line everybody up and pray for you. Before we do, we're going to give you the final opportunity during these weeknight services to sow seed. Everybody that's watching online, I want you to ask the Lord what he would have you plant on this breakthrough night. And I don't want anybody to give a penny, with, unless you're going to tie your faith to it, that I'm sowing this into 2023, believe in God, for a supernatural explosion this year. I'm taking what I have and putting it in the hand of Jesus to receive 100-fold back. Anyone that gives up houses or property or possession for my sake and the sake of the gospel shall receive now and in this life 100-fold what they've given. Name one need from the minister I've mentioned during the 21 days of prayer and fasting. You know why I haven't? Because we don't have any needs. God supplies all our needs. The offering is not so you can help keep the ministry going. The offering is so that you can take what you have, plug it into the kingdom of God, and watch God do for you in one year what you couldn't do in three lifetimes. That's how it's going to be in Jesus' name. If you're making out a check, make it out to Revival Today. You can go online, revivaltoday.com, and click Give Now. Thank you for everybody that's been given from all over the world. It's impressive. I can't remember whether I said it this afternoon or not, but my friend from the Ukraine back there that I just met today, or from Ukraine, said uh, he's been telling people about me, but he can't find anything about me on Russian or in Russian on YouTube, but I've been on television in Russia since July. So upload all my, our Russian programs onto the YouTube channel on a special playlist as soon as possible so that Russian people and Ukrainian people and Belarus and all that can watch.
you think I sound stern in English, you should listen to me in Russian. <laughs> French is a great language to tell Jesus how much you love him. And Russian is a great language to cast devils out in. <laughs> I love you very much. Watching online, I love you very much here. Being a part of these meetings, proving everything you read as a pastor wrong. If you ever want no one to show up, call a prayer meeting. We did, and a lot of people showed up. You've, you've blessed my heart. And I pray for you. Even if you, this isn't your church home, I pray for you. I pray for you as your pastor. If you're not from here, I pray for you as a pastor. That this will be <laughs> a record year for you. Every day Christmas. Camila. Every day Christmas. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be greatly blessed. Be used of God. Be endued with special gifts from the Holy Ghost that make you a blessing to your generation. In Jesus' name. Maintain a sensitive spirit your whole life. A unique ability to hear the voice of the Lord. I bless you. I lose the angels of the Lord to kill anyone who would try to hurt you. Kill them quickly. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. I bless my parents, wherever they are tonight, Tiff and Judy Shuttlesworth. Father, bless them this year. Bless them for raising me in the house of God. Bless them for teaching me about you. I pray you'd give them, I pray you'd embarrass my parents with blessings. The same way I embarrass them routinely growing up. Every desire of their heart. I pray you'd give them so much they feel like they have to apologize to people about it. Oh, overload them with miracles. I pray that for everybody in this building. I pray the Lord embarrasses you with blessing this year. You have to give an explanation for why you have what you have. I didn't buy this. This was given to me. I don't even... I never would have bought this. I pray, Lord, I pray this would be a wild year for your people. Bless them. Bless them. Let them swim in your blessing. In Jesus' name. How many of you sense the presence of God real strong? Now, let me ask you a question. I'm going to make a point. At this moment, how concerned are you about federal politics? How concerned are you about state politics? 
And this is coming from someone who does a program about it nightly. But you notice if you stay in the anointing, there's no worry or fear in the anointing. There's not even really concern in the anointing. Like if somebody told you right now, we, uh, the, they just fired, they just launched bombs in, into America. You, you'd, you'd nod your head and just, thank you, Father, for your presence. Stay in the anointing this year. Cultivate the presence of God. Find things to play in your car that bring the presence of God. I'll give you, play um, Phil Driscoll, I exalt thee. Play it. Everybody just lift your hands.
Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.